0: At one point in your life, you too were really battling it and just taking gobs of ibuprofen.
1: I found that just kind of getting out of bed became an event. like I'd had to like swing my legs out, and it would take me like ten, fifteen, twenty minutes just to get cranked, you know, straight up straight. And I just thought this was the progression and the the repercussions of living a kind of active, slightly crazy life. I just always thought that was how it was going to be. But what happened, because I I began eating a whole food plant-based diet, the pain started to just go away.
0: Well, hello there. taking pill after pill after pill, just trying to get through the day. Now imagine that your health continues to deteriorate and macular degeneration begins eroding your eyesight. And now a once bright future is growing darker by the day. Such was life for Meg Donahue. Her knees ached. Her hips were shot. And as you heard, just getting out of bed in the morning was an entire ordeal. But that was also just the beginning of a long and arduous daily cycle. That crippling pain had literally crippled her once vibrant quality of life. But Meg's story, Meg's story has a very interesting twist to it. While researching ways to help her mother, who was gravely ill with a heart that was struggling to function with every beat, Meg discovered the power of nutrition. And she had no idea that when she switched her diet in solidarity with her mother, that it would soon replace the mountain of ibuprofen that she was taking. That it would be the end of painful mornings where she struggled to get out of bed. And that it would become the light shining brightly on what she thought was a dark and bleak future little did she know it would also be the start of a brand new business that is helping thousands plant the seeds for their own healthier future as we continue here on the exam room podcast brought to you by the physician's committee it is time now to tell a story of triumph The story of someone who has overcome almost crippling pain by changing their diet, changing their lifestyle, it completely revamped not only the way that they felt, but perhaps even their career trajectory and their outlook on life. Just an amazing 180 that my next guest had, and I'm so glad that she is here to share that with you today. She's the co-founder of Mama Says. She is a friend of the show, Meg Donahue. Thank you so very much for being here, Meg.
1: Chuck, I am delighted to be here. Good to see you.
0: The pleasure is all mine. And your story is so inspiring because so often we hear from people who talk about just the fact that they are walking around in crippling pain every single day. Just getting out of bed can be a chore. And I know that at one point in your life, you too were really battling it and just taking gobs of ibuprofen.
1: And that's true. I um, you know, when we first started this journey with Mama Says, and we have a a whole food plant-based company. Um, I was my whole life an athlete, um, and, uh, you know, played everything, played it in college. And then as I got older, um, things started to show up and they manifested as a type of arthritis in my hips and, um, my joints. And so I found that just kind of getting out of bed became an event. (laughs) So, um, I like, I'd had to like swing my legs out and it would take me like 10, 15, 20 minutes just to get cranked, you know, straight up straight. And I just thought this was the progression and the the repercussions of living a kind of, you know, active, slightly crazy life. Um, And what happened, and this was not at all my intent when we started our company, um, you know, it was for my mom's health that I was primarily concerned. But what happened, because I was, I began eating a whole food plant-based diet, I, the, the pain started to just go away. And it was, you know, it was more than pain, it was also that kind of chronic fatigue, I was forever having, like those kind of not quite pin downable type of disease, uh, um, autoimmune diseases that, you know, it could be this, it could be chronic fatigue, it could be that could be Epstein-Barr. And so I just had a host of things like that, plus pain. And I just could never, I just always thought that was how it was going to be. And shortly into my time of eating uh whole food plant-based, and I, I mean, like within a month, I started to notice, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm feeling better. And it struck me like one day I just got up from the couch and that sounds really simple, but I did it without any hesitation or pain or wincing. And something very dramatic is happening here.
0: Let's actually take it back a few years and talk about what led you to having this debilitating pain that you were experiencing before you made this diet switch and and things started to improve for you. You were very athletic. You played a number of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your life like growing up? You know, I had
1: um, I had a really good life. I had um, you know parents who who loved me. I had a big family. Um, So I had, you know, a lot of advantages. I went to schools, I I had an education, and I really, I recognized how much I was given. And concurrent with that, you know, I had things, this was, I'm in my late 50s, so this was during, you know, the 70s and early 80s, is I ran into some of the things that were really, really um, prevalent then, or still prevalent, but they were new. And so people didn't know a lot about it. And, you know, things about body image and Um, eating. And I got kind of caught up in uh, a whole um, way of looking at my body and myself and eating that just, you know, so many young women, it happens so many young women where they just, they lose who they are. And, you know, eating disorders were really prevalent. It was something that I struggled with in college. And I was also, you know, um, you know, kind of a wild child. I, I had a great time. I, I had a lot of friends. I was, I was a, you know, a party girl. And things, what I realize now happened, you know, because I still played sports. I did all of these things, but things started to really kind of crash down. And what I realize now as I look back, you know, there are things that happen physically and psychologically to you during these really tumultuous times. And what I realize now, a couple of things were going on. The first is that I have physical sensitivities to a lot of, to a lot of things, um, and I didn't realize it, and they were really causing me pain. And I know now, Chuck, that it had I been aware that, wow, sugar isn't great for you. It, it doesn't send me off on a, you know a binge or something like that, but it just it's like a, a little chink in the armor of health for me. And I have a lot of things like that. I didn't know that then. And so I really struggled and I thought emotionally thinking it was all emotional issue, like having struggling with eating and being able to control eating or, or just eat normally was a struggle and I thought it was an emotional struggle. Being physically you know, well, I just thought, well, you're just not doing something right or trying hard enough. And so this would, that kind of defined a lot of my, my uh, early 20s, um, late teens for sure, early 20s, college years, and until I finally kind of hit a wake-up call, and this is before eating plant-based, but I think it's relevant because so many people struggle with it, of, you know, you just can't do this anymore. Um, I wasn't one of those people who could like bounce back the next day. So, you know, my life had a, the proverbial crash where everything just like came, stopped. It's like, you're not going to be able to keep on going. You know, and it's for, you hear this now and it's always like, things are always easier to talk about than to experience when they're difficult. And you always hear somebody say, well, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like when my life totally imploded and, and all of the dreams that I had had and the promise of a young woman who really, you know, I was a good student and all those things had just kind of disappeared um, from a combination of, you know, food, alcohol, bad decisions. And I was young and, you know, when you look at it, then it just felt like this is the worst thing in the world. How am I ever going to get out of it? And I didn't have an answer. And not having an answer was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because up until that point, I had had, you know, I had figured out ways to move around whatever the problem was, I, you know, I would figure out a way. And this I was out of options. And that was when I, you know, it wasn't like I came to a resolution, I was just like, I was out of options. And so being out of options is, is you know, they call it now surrender. Um, but then it was just I had no choice in my mind. It's like I, I didn't know what else to do. So I had a big surrender. And I said, I just got to give this stuff up, um, the obvious things. And I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to live my life, like, in a kind of normal way that wasn't struggle. But I did know one thing. I knew that at some point in my life, And it had probably been when I was a very small child, I knew some basic things. I knew um, when I was hungry, I knew when I was tired, I knew when I was full and um, I knew when I was happy and I knew when I was sad. So those are the kind of the basic things I understood within me were there. And I just had no idea how to go find them again or let them come out. And so that's where the beginning of my shift in how I perceived myself in the world And how I went from, you know, uh, I I say I had to overcome a lot of advantages to get where I was. (laughs) You know, so like, but but what happened and then how I went from there to really looking at my life totally differently from a health perspective. And that certainly with food transformed my relationship to it in many ways where I just surrendered. I stopped trying to I stopped trying to control it and, and fix it and said, there's got to be a better way. And as soon as my mind could make that shift, and this is the power of the mind, is this is the place where I think if we're going to put our energy, it's to surrender. Use all of your energy to surrender, not to try and control. And so I just, I'd given up and I said, just show me to whatever that was. I mean, I didn't have like a particular overwhelming faith that, but I just knew it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> so, <laughs> show me big universe. And, you know, it was incremental. I, you know, I, I um, you know, I was uh, a quick study and a slow learner. So things would come to me very intuitively. They would make sense, but I, to actually roll them into my life, I was, it was slower. And I just, you know, I practiced patience and that kind of daily surrender of, and then followed people um, who, who I had identified, Hey, you're doing something that I can't do. Can you help me? And so that kind of small little choices that I made. And so when I got to the the point and that helped me, you know, that just, my life then started on, on a trajectory that um, was really the life of my dreams of what I wanted. And so fast forward to a point where I was an adult and the issues that my body had started to break down in ways that I was—I hadn't anticipated. I really hadn't felt at the age that I was at the time to feel as bad as I did. And, I, and you had mentioned it earlier, I had the beginnings of macular degeneration and, and just all of these kind of weird autoimmune things. Um, and that's when whole foods dropped on my lap and um, out of my mom who was in hospice care and very sick. And I just started researching who survived it. And so I came at it from that point of view Mm -hmm. I'd been eating a relatively what I thought was a decent diet. Um, But then when I went and I started eating this way, everything changed.
0: Yeah. And we're going to talk about that more in depth about that transformation in a little bit, but I do have kind of a, a two-parter for you right now. And I want to go back to what you were talking about, those issues with food that you had beginning in your teens and early twenties. Uh, specifically, what were those issues and what do you think brought them on? Was it body image issues? Was it pressure mm-hmm. that you would put upon yourself? What do you think brought them on?
1: That's I think that's the million dollar question. Um, and I don't, I don't think it was one thing, I think, um, and I, I hesitate to say that there's a profile like a type A personality or, a you know, um, a looking for control, I think those things all contribute to it. Um, I think that, you know, ability to handle situations, and um, like those types of emotional skills, I, I think are a part of it. Um, I think, though, Chuck, a big part was that I actually had some food sensitivities I didn't know about. And the more research that, you know, we're finding out about people who get caught up in eating disorders, and for me, it was a type of controlling of food and um, some bulimia. And how that um, came about was just a very, you know, kind of you hear about it from friends, and this was the 80s. So it wasn't really mainstream. There wasn't really a lot of information at all. It was really kind of clouded in shame which makes it very hard to to find your way out of because shame is a pretty powerful um uh, muffler
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: okay I'll just stay here
0: yeah Um,
1: and so I think those that compounds it that compounds being you know like if you're sick you have a sore throat you don't have a pile of shame on you about go get going and getting help but with types of things that have to do with addiction or, or um, you know, whether it be food or drug or alcohol, there's a layer sometimes of shame that really stops people uh, from getting assistance with it. And so I think that was definitely true for me and, and many of my peers at the time. Um, but I just was tenacious in that I, there's something in me that said, this is not how things are supposed to be. Mm. I haven't always been like this. What is going on? And so I think that was the the driver for me to get some sort of help and it wasn't like you know a straight line it wasn't like oh yeah and then I went and and everything turned out great it was I you know just going a little this way then taking a left then a right and a left and a right but staying the course you know of I know that how I want to be in my life is somebody who I get up in the morning I eat what I eat, I wear what I wear, and none of it is in conflict or in relationship to, you know, I'm not feeling like, am I on diet or off diet? I just, I can't do that. I can't live my life like that. (laughs) I just can't do it. I I need to be free. And that was my goal. And so every decision, I think, was guided by that principle, um, including to surrender that I had no idea how to do it.
0: Let's uh, talk specifically about what it was that you were eating um, during your time when you were in college, and and you were, you were playing sports, you were very Mm -hmm. athletic, and I can't imagine that uh, having bulimia at that point was an advantage to you on the field whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I would imagine, if anything, that would have hindered your performance, but what were some of the foods that you were eating during that time, and uh, which ones do you think that you may have had sensitivities to in hindsight?
1: Yeah, and probably not surprising that the, you know, like high sugar carbs, which, you know, many, you know, that whole combination of sugar, fat, you know, um, and sweet, uh, the salt, that whole combination that is so appealing in so many foods now, um, that was definitely something that was like a trigger uh, of sorts. And so, um, you know, and I look back now, and I think, I wish I could say to this young, because you know, I was a young I was a young college student, I was um, 18, you know, so brave to keep on going and so much courage and so much willpower to do all the things that I did. And while, with all this going on, you know, it took so much energy. Um, and there are so many people like that who just are under the mistaken belief that they don't have the strength or the willpower. But when you pull back and you look and it's like, oh my God, if you can go one, two three days weeks and even years going through what you've gone through and still you know go to college and accomplish things you have amazing willpower (laughs) imagine when this is no longer an issue so and that's what that's what happened for me is i i um you know it was definitely the high fat foods and you know there's there's plenty of that in college almost all of it was you know cafeteria type food and there's this just a smorgasbord and then you're out late and you're drinking beer so it all just kind of like, you know, and beer has, you know, alcohol is so much sugar. And so all of it just snowballed. And so something was happening to me physically that I didn't put in the equation. You know, I, I, I did not put in the equation that a part of it was what was physically going into my body was skewing the rest of my life. I don't oh, yeah. know how, I it. but so many people do. It's like, I, I don't know how I missed it. I got that. Okay. If you put alcohol in your body, then you're not going to you know you're not going to feel good but you can't not eat food um, so i didn't have a guiding principle for that and so that was really a part of me uh, just being what makes you feel good what makes you feel bad and and being aware of those things and so that's how the relationship with food changed very much so you know when you can give up alcohol or drugs you learn some strategies to do so that work for you know just about anything and so that was they were pretty much the same principles.
0: Oh yeah, and and you know I'll tell you really quickly that you know being a a, a food addict myself, it's you know I, I view food kind of the same way that an alcoholic does alcohol is that. You don't have to drink alcohol, but you do have to drink some form of liquid. So you do have to eat, but you don't have to eat, you know, this highly addictive, highly processed, high fat, high sugar, high everything kind of food that puts you in that really extreme health risk category to begin with. And I think that it's high time that we start looking at things like drive throughs and fast foods and these 2000 calorie entrees in the same light as, as we do alcohol and, and other substances that get abused regularly, because you can't tell me that a chicken fried steak from IHOP isn't something that you can abuse. Cause when you eat that, you know, daggone well, you're abusing your body. So, right. um, but let me ask you, so you were the athlete in college, but how, did you stay active after you graduated and, and you weren't playing field hockey? You weren't playing lacrosse any longer? Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: I played tennis. I always jogged. Um, so i always was involved in something um so that um d- was just a part of my life you know grew up i i like sports i like to play and so i was always doing some part of that and then i began to notice yeah that
0: yeah so, so you stay active for all those years how old were you when you began to like get up in the morning and think ooh that that didn't used to hurt or man it it oh. kind of hurts to run now
1: yeah I think I was in um, my late thirties when things, weird things started to happen. I, um, my hands would hurt. uh, Shoulders would hurt back. uh, Like it seemed like I was forever had a sprained ankle, you know, like the swelling never quite went away. And, and I think it's easy uh, when things are incremental, you know, if you're hit by a truck, you know, these are the injuries and how it happened. But when things just kind of like pile up, I think it's harder to just to say, hey, something is going on that might be underlying all of this. And that's what happened to me. So um, in my late 30s, you know, 36, 37, I would get, you know, neck injury stuff, um, all of these kind of small, seemingly injuries, um, but together could be really debilitating. And so and fatigue, the fatigue was just I would say to myself, cause I was eating what I thought was a great diet for me. I'm eating well, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I don't, you know, I get enough rest and why am I still so like tired sometimes? I'm just like, where I have to like sleep for three days.
0: And what, so what did know, that great diet look like? What, what was that comprised of at this point? So
1: that was, you know, and I look at it now and it's like, it wasn't so great. Um, you know, it was like, um, you know, chicken, fish, salads, pastas, but I also was, you know, um, McDonald's, vanilla shakes, um, you know, hamburgers, french fries, and somehow they didn't get put into what I was actually eating. You know, when I would think about it in my mind, I would think, oh, I I eat, you know, chicken, fish, salad, you know, some veggies and once in a while pie, but I didn't put all of the other stuff in the diet. I don't know if other people do that, but that was me. I was just like, kind of cherry pick what was good and you know within reason and so
0: it wasn't yeah, that we we are <laughs> we, we tend to be very forgiving to ourselves and it's really yeah. hard for us to be as critical to the person looking back at us in the mirror as we are with virtually everyone else in the world and so it it comes as no surprise that that vanilla shake didn't wind up on your diet you it's know it star. it just it wasn't there <laughs> It wasn't there. I completely understand. You know, it wasn't until I I finally looked back and you know was really taking stock of every little thing that I was eating back in the day. I was like, daggone. on. I never really counted the hamburgers. I always counted Taco Bell because I knew that that was my big thing. But. Right, right. You know, the 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 half of a chicken uh and and macaroni and cheese and cream oh spinach God. and all of those things from Boston Market, not a problem. The things that I would get off of the roller at 7-Eleven, all of those taquitos and hot dogs, not yeah. a problem, didn't count. The chips didn't count. All of that Wait. stuff just wasn't even there.
1: Yeah, it's it was it's kind of extraordinary, but I think it's common and and so I can I can give myself a little bit of a pass because you don't know what you don't know. And I don't know if I would have even if my, if my mom hadn't gotten sick. I don't know if it would have like if it would have landed on me as as convincingly because I experienced my transformation with her, and um, and so and that's a part of why we do what we do because I thought you know if I can bring people hope, whether it be young people who are are in the midst or struggling with some sort of eating disorder, that there is a way out that is so far beyond your wildest dreams of what is possible, and or if you're having the beginnings of a disease, whether it be type two diabetes and hypertension, there is a way out and that we can either give you the food or educate you on how to do it. And in the community to say, you don't, it's not weird. It's actually the most natural, beautiful way to eat. And it's super easy, <laughs> you know, you know, it's just like so easy and fun and you're gonna feel amazing if I can offer that hope. And that's why we started it, the company because I just thought, how did I not know this? Mm-hmm. I know I could have like had years of struggle um, gone and years of pain. And, you know, in the case of my own family, my dad's Alzheimer's and my mom's heart disease, you know, an awareness, you can mitigate a lot of that. And mm-hmm. so um, it was very compelling for me to begin to say, because we I had had a company and my partner had, had a company and we had, we were kind of on the other, we had sold them. And when this all happened, I said, we've got to, people need to know this. This is like the golden ticket. I mean, it's just like such good news and it's hard to believe and it's hard to believe that it can be enjoyable. And I think that you can't underestimate how powerful it is that if it's not going to be fun, you're not going to do it. If you're not going to like it, not going to happen. <laughs> oh,
0: and, and and the thing is, it's like, so you said the, it's, it's almost viewed as unnatural to eat the natural foods now but I, that's really only a recent phenomenon if you if you yes. go back through the annals of history i mean mcdonald's you know burger king pizza hut none of that stuff was around mm-hmm. 100 200 years ago i mean this is all a relatively new phenomenon but it became so popular so quickly that it has become the norm in recent generations and that is why we are finding ourselves in the health predicaments that we are and by the way all of those foods extremely inflammatory, and I know that just to deal with your pain, you were taking a lot of ibuprofen, oh, yeah. which was an anti. Wrong. Yeah, how much uh, ibuprofen were you I taking thought, every day? It
1: was just it was stupid amounts. I would I was you know aware enough not to take a whole bottle, but at least you know four at a time, two and three times a day, you know, and that's just like nuts. You think about it. I don't know how. Yeah, it was crazy.
0: And, and but I bet it, it was normal for you at the time was too, normal. wasn't it?
1: Like mm-hmm. Vitamin I. You know, it was like what I did in the morning I and then my lunch <laughs> and then I went to bed. It was just like not, didn't even register, but it was, that's our, that, that's a culture that we're in, you know, so it's very hard um, to see until you've seen. And so that's why I just try as much as I can to spread this message and to let people know there is such hope and help. And it's so much easier than the life that I was living. Because when you take out the struggle, and that's, I talk a lot about surrender, about giving up what you think you know is the answer, you know, and to be able to evaluate, answer the simple question, has it worked? Is it working? Is it working with effortlessly, you know, without struggle? And if if that isn't the case, then, you know, be open to that there's another way of doing things. And it begins with that decision. And I know we had a conversation, we've had them, Chuck, when you had that moment of, I got to do something different. And you make a decision and it's it's hard to explain and it's hard to tell somebody to do it. But that's really the point where everything begins when you can say, I'm really done with what I have been doing, even though I don't know where I'm going. But I can't do that anymore. And, and that just it, 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 that opens something up, you know, In for me, you know, for in the universe that allows for the next other thing to happen other than this little wheel that we get involved in of our own decision-making. So, um, and, and then the possibilities really open up.
0: Now, as you said, you really discovered the idea of a plant-based diet, the whole food plant-based diet uh, when researching uh, for your mom who Mm -hmm. had uh, really severe heart issues, which we've spoken about on a previous show. And I'll go ahead and link off to that conversation in the episode notes, because wow, what a story that is as well. Mm But how, how old were you at this point? Because you were taking at least four ibuprofen at a time oh, yeah. and, and that had to have gotten really old, really fast. So how many years were you in pain and dealing with this before things started to progress and turn around for you? Sure.
1: I was, um, I was, let's see, I was 48, 48, I was 49 and 50 Dang, when, more than yeah, 10 years. yeah. Yeah, so it was a long time, and and again, that speak, I'm I know that I'm not like extraordinary. There are so many people who walk around in a type of pain, and they do their thing, and they and that's when I say, like, you have you have the strength inside you. If you can do this m- much that you do with this type of emotional and physical pain, imagine what it's going to be like when that is gone, when it, those things are no longer um, binding you. And you know, I couldn't. If somebody had said that to me, I couldn't even like. I didn't even. I just. I was like I just wanted to be able to get out of bed and not be exhausted and not to have to have five cups of coffee and a bunch of, to to move through the day. And I wanted to not. I didn't want to keep thinking about it because Jack. The other thing is, you get older. You're like, honestly, my life is going to be thinking about food and my relationship to it, and then you're done. It's like I don't want that. I want it to fuel my life. I want to enjoy it. I want to, it's sensual, I want to have all that experience with food, but I do not want it to rule me. And that is not a mental process, as much as it is a mental and physical process, you have to be cognizant of what goes in, as well as how you're thinking about your life, because I needed to relearn how to, I mean, I needed to incorporate meditation into my life and to, you know, chill out the maybe natural anxiety I had, or Mm -hmm. how do you work with those things? How do you you know, learn how to to be a decent person in, in the world, and and have a set of principles that can guide you. And those things are important, but you can't say that what you put in your body doesn't matter.
0: You know, so you have to it, good I mean, it's so it's so important, and it's so funny that you say like you didn't want food to really rule your 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 life anymore, and. Mm-hmm. To me, that just made me think, I was like, oh my God, she's so spot on. I almost, and you've used the word surrender a number of times. So I almost feel like for me, I kind of just surrendered to the idea, you know, of looking at food in a new way. And so while food plays an enormous role in my life and my career, it doesn't rule it anymore. It's more important than it's ever been, but it is not dominating my, my, my thoughts in my life anymore. It's funny how that worked out.
1: It's really extraordinary. And when you can, and anybody who is caught up in it, they will recognize when I say that you're hooked on something that it, it it has its hooks in you. And it is, it's, it, it runs with you every thought it's right there with you. And to imagine that it is not there um, is, is really, it's very difficult, but that is the experience. And we hear it from so many people and I love getting, um, uh, emails or talking with young women um, who will say, you know, I cannot believe that I am not, I don't have, this obsession is gone. This obsession, because it isn't something that you can think your way out of. I mean, I, I, I um, relate it to like, if you are an alcoholic or there's a saying that you can't get sober while you're drinking. I mean, you can't keep putting alcohol in your body and get sober and that seems obvious right? But with food, we don't make that same correlation. You can't keep putting things in your body that harm you. And it's not the same for everyone. But you, you know, if you're hooked on food, there are things that harm you and that are pulling you towards it. You can't keep doing that and try and get out of it. You got to stop doing that and then get out of it. And to be able to do that in a way that is not feeling like deprivation, because that's another thing, you just it's going to make you mental and your whole life, you're going to be thinking about it. But to be able to do it in a way that you are unhooked from those things, and now you're, in, you're replacing your body with these things that are just fueling it and energizing you and giving you the experiences that you're trying to get with the other stuff, but that is just so short and temporary, mm-hmm. but you get it lifelong, you know, like all day long, you have, you're flooded, you know, with these great nutrients. Oh, yeah. That's uh, an amazing experience. And it takes some time. I mean, I'm very compassionate with everyone trying this. I'm... I just ended up jumping into it because that's kind of the way I am. And I was desperate for my mom. And so we were all there. And I, so it was a little bit miraculous that I was like, Holy smokes. I just solved something I hadn't even realized I was going to do, but.
0: And it'd be almost selfish not to try to help other people, seeing the transformation that not only you were beginning to experience, but even perhaps more miraculously with your mom, who her heart function was, I believe, at ten percent at one time, less than ten percent, yeah, and
1: her kidneys were failing. I mean, she was hospice care, and brought her home, and she went from from that, and then over a year's time, you know. gradual incrementally getting better um we fed her a whole food plant-based diet very small meals and um you know now she's she drives she you know she got her headlights changed on her own car the other day so you know she's like very capable she swims before covid she was swimming four times a week you know she's she still lives here we have a a little renovated apartment here for her and it's great my kids get to spend time with her you know, the other thing that happens, Chuck, and I think this is important to talk to with well, uh, as well, um, Dr. Orn- Dean Ornish talks about the four pillars of health. And, and this is something that I, I like to put equal credence on all of them. The food is very important. you got to get that part handled um, and, and figure out, you know, your eating piece. Um, but also, and then we talked a little bit about meditation and surrender to calm that inner voice inside of you and at least be able to distinguish that it's not you. Um, and give something so you can deal with your stress and maybe anxiety because who doesn't have you know some part of that in this world? But also love and support, exercise a little bit of exercise. Don't have to be a triathlete. You know, go for a walk. Like I love your story of walking, or whatever brings you joy for exercise. Um, and then to have this last pillar, which is love and support. And you know, when and I know in talking with you and seeing the work you do. So much of what feeds you is to give away what was given to you, right? And you've got to give it away to keep it. And it's that circle that, you know, our company, that's what I thrive on. I love giving people a message that there's hope and giving them a practical way to get there um, so that they can live their life in a way that is, you know, joyous and free. And that peace, that love and support, I know for me, um, the people who have helped me, you know beyond all reason, who <laughs> 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 just you know love me when I, I didn't get it and showed me a way, um, you know, and and for you know, whether your family or your the family that you create, your community, um, that is as important as the other pillars, and it's it's difficult in a time of COVID, but people are creative. I mean, we figure out ways, Zoom, whatever you get tested before you see people, all of this. There are ways to express your love and support people that will feed you. And we've found that, you know, that type of gratitude and forgiveness are they're at the they're as important to me as what I put in my body. I mean, because they are what I put in my body. I just it just goes through another channel. So um, I think it's important to talk about all those things.
0: Sure. And, and that's huge you you look at the work that dan butner has done with the blue zones where yeah. people live the longest uh, on this planet and one of the big commonalities between them is that those who are centarians still get up in the morning with a purpose they have a reason for getting up they are still very much part of that community and i would go so far as to say though that doesn't necessarily have to be a traditional community you can kind of build your own community if you're not if your family isn't with you any longer you know there are still so many people out there to connect with and certainly if you're at that age you have a whole lot to share with the world and it and like I said it'd be selfish to keep that at that point I mean you you got to get out there and, and you got to help and it's so rewarding in, in that respect and just having that purpose for getting up every day is so 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 critical. Um but let's talk about the moment when you decided like I'm feeling so much better I don't have to take the ibuprofen anymore I have a background in food. I want to bring this to the world. Let's talk about the genesis of Mama Says and how all of that came to be.
1: Sure. That's um, a, it's a great question. Um, so the way that it happened um, is I saw and felt and experienced what was happening and started to help other friends like, My sister had hypertension. I was like, you know, her name is Sue. you got to try this. Um, And then a friend of mine had a stroke. And so I was bringing her food and she started to feel a little bit better. Um, And so I could see progress with people around me. And it's more like the idea kind of knocked on, kept knocking at me, rather than me thinking, I can't wait to go start a business. Um, It was more of, wow, I think I'm going to start a food business, because this needs to happen. And as soon as like, I kind of recognized that's what was happening. It was like, boom, 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 all of these doors opened. And, you know, I very much believe in synchronicity and um, that, you know, the universe or God has a, you know, there's a, there's a, a co-creation that happens once you open up to it. And then things just started to unfold really quickly. You know, just a quick story. Once we realized we were going to have, hey, let's let's start this company. And we, we knew we needed a, a physical plant to, to produce our food because that was important that we have control over it. We had bought a building in Brattleboro and ran into some issues with it. And we're just kicking around some ideas with a friend. And he said, hey, and he, my friend here just happens to have this multimillion dollar built out factory. <laughs> so here and that's about how it happened so things have happened like that it was so effortless you know we had to put in the intention and the energy and the decision and the willingness to do whatever but it wasn't like we were pressing it was like doors kept opening and opening and opening and when i put my kind of i surrender to it i will do my best this feels like the right thing and then i'll the next thing will unfold and i'll and i'll show up for that and that's how we have done it since day one. And there are times you know business can is tough, it's scary, it's challenging, it's tiring, rewarding, but that's the principle that we we roll on is that we know um, the reason we're doing it, we have the right intention and we show up and surrender what we're given and, and respond to it.
0: Yeah. When it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And now I would imagine for you, one of the most rewarding aspects of this is actually hearing from people who have discovered you and now are experiencing the same kind of transformation that you have uh, had, you know, And and it could be, you know, not being in pain any longer. There are certainly a ton of weight loss success stories that come out of this people who are improving their diabetes like so many different things and I'm sure you're getting feedback from so many people and it's just got to be the most rewarding and gratifying feeling in it the world
1: so cool I got it's it's the best you know who it's like um to be able to be in any sort of way a part of somebody's recovery is so powerful you know when we can share stories, stories, you can read all the facts that you want, you know, you can read all the studies. But what really transforms, I think, somebody's heart, or opens it a little bit to maybe what's possible, is when you can share a story of what happened. And we get thousands of, of, of um, emails or calls from people, of because they're, we have generous, beautiful customers. And they wanna share their story and they share it with me and we'll share it with other people, you know, and weight loss is often a way in because a lot of people see that as their struggle and I get it. Um, and I'm like, great, if, if weight loss is gonna get you started, you're gonna be so blown away but But what is actually gonna happen for you? But let's just deal with the the first thing that's bugging you and if it's weight, let's let's handle that because that one's easy. And I don't say that flipply, you know, I, I, I know <laughs> issues with weight. And if anybody, so I am not like, you know, skinny woman who never had an issue with it, talking about it, I I get the pain and the torture of it. Um, And it's crippling. And so I don't want to minimize it. But the way out is doesn't need to be so hard. Um, And then to be able to share those stories, you know, from heart disease and and people we work with the American um, Cancer Institute. And People who are recovering from, you know, and chemotherapy and they're able to have food that nourishes them. So um, to just people who are busy and they're like, you know, I want to eat better, but, you know, I'm homeschooling. I've got all this stuff <laughs> you know? um, and we just can make it easier. So all of that. And it's a, it's a blast. I mean, that's the the most fun is to be able to share and tell the story and to hear from people who whose lives are they're able to do what they're meant to do and want to do in this world.
0: Yeah and and it was so often with the feedback that I get for the exam room um I I will see a little bit of myself in that person and it kind of just brings back these fond memories of when everything was still brand new and and fresh this transformation and almost that high that you get and it's the healthiest high uh possible because one you truly are taking control of your health probably for the first time in your entire life but two you're also proving to yourself that you can after doubting yourself in that regard, your entire life. And it's so powerful. And I just love getting that feedback from people who are going through the same thing. And to me, Meg, that is better than any paycheck that anybody could ever possibly put in my bank. It is the greatest feeling in the entire world. So I love the fact that you're getting thousands of these things.
1: It's, it is, it's, you know, it's the, um, It's the part of life, you know, it is in, we're in the holiday times where there is the spirit of the holiday. And I think that it's the peace that gets released when you begin to shift your lifestyle and the way you think and add these pieces to it is your heart opens in a sort of way that is different. At least it was for me. And that's the experience that I hear over and over is that um, to open your spirit to something. And there is, there's like this, unintended and unexpected joys that happen and a peace that that can happen. And that's just, I mean, I can't think of a more beautiful thing to be a part of and to experience. I mean, that seems to me what most people ultimately want is that level of love and peace in their life um, underlying all the other motivations to go get whatever it is on the outside. That's the peace that, you know, when that's solid inside of us, um, it makes everything that much better.
0: And here's the coolest thing. As somebody's just getting going naturally, I think the big concern is, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to eat this again. And it's my absolute favorite. How am I ever going to get through life without it? Mm But then if you take a look at the menu that you've put together at Mama Says, you have something for everybody and their friends and their cousins and their mom and their dad. Like your menu is enormous and it's such good food that really you don't have to go without at all. We really
1: try and um, you know, everyone's welcome at our table. And I know people are at different places, you know, and they have different mix in their family. And the last thing I want to do is to to draw a hard line for somebody and say you have to only eat this way or else you can't play. Um, because I know that gradual is better than not at all. And, and the more you eat this way, just kind of naturally the foods that don't suit you will and crowd those off your plate. And for your family, if you're if you're cooking for your family, but for yourself, you'll, you'll notice a difference so quickly. And we tend to move towards what feels good. I mean, that's why we get caught up in, you know, overeating and over drinking. And because for that moment, it makes us feel better. <laughs> but this ends up making you feel better and better and better. And so you kind of move towards it. And to get around people who are having a great time, who aren't judging, the last thing I want to be is shaming or judging anybody about what they do. Um, but to support somebody, if they want um, to move their life in a direction that that feels really good, and, and this is a part of it, then I am a 1000% there for them.
0: Well, let me tell you something for all of my burger buddies out there. The burgers that you have make are just insanely good. I mean, honest to goodness, the best veggie burger I have ever had in my entire life. I mean, to borrow a phrase from a famous movie, once it hits your lips, so good. I mean, it was just insane how good this thing was. And I'm not even, I'm not paid to say this. It is just a fact of life. These burgers are All planet good.
1: Oh, thank you. And they're all, yeah, they're 100% plant based. They have, these have a a little bit more protein than some of our other products because, you know, it's important to some folks, but we try to make it juicy. And yeah, we wanted to, you want that. You want something on a bun or however you're going to eat it. Just, it's familiar.
0: Don't ever change. I had it on a bun. I actually used it as a salad topping as well. I I drilled it up and I chopped it up and I, I, put it on top of a salad and went to town. I was like, Oh my God, this now is my favorite salad. It's just so good. So thank you for bringing that to the world.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: thank you. Oh, man. What, what an, uh, just an incredible story. Thanks so very much for taking this past, wow, 45 minutes to talk. Yeah. And it's just been, what a, what a heck of a ride you've been on. And thank you so very much for bringing us on it and, and putting forth some good in the world and showing people that there is a healthier way. And they don't have to take four ibuprofen at a time. And they can truly take control of their health and not have to have food dominate their life anymore.
1: You know I thank you, Chuck, for giving me this chance because any place where I can spread this message and um, give people that hope i am I'm happy to do it. You don't have to suffer. and you know you can have a life that is free from these obsessions and and really live in the way that you've always known in your heart, you know, I think everyone has a feeling in their heart of who they who they had hoped to be, who they want to be, who they're meant to be, and to be able to have the freedom to do that and not tied down by. By physical or or emotional um issues with food is just uh, or health is just miraculous and a beautiful thing so happy to help
0: you don't have to suffer well said mm-hmm. thank I you so very life. much Meg <laughs> Nani, you co-founder of mama says appreciate you being here today thank you chuck In a separate interview, I had the opportunity to sit down with Meg where she recounted the entire emotional story of her mom's journey back to health. And if you would like to watch that interview, you can find a link to it in the episode notes. Such a powerful story. And if there ever was a story ready-made for a Hollywood script, That would be it. I want to switch now from inspiration to science and revisit a conversation with Dr. Hanna Kaliova. In 2019, she and her team examined scores of studies on the effects of a plant-based diet on arthritis. And in this case, it was rheumatoid arthritis. And what they found in their review was that by eliminating meat and dairy, both of which are proven inflammatory triggers, and by introducing a fiber rich diet that is filled with plant foods, there is hope to be had for the tens of millions of people worldwide living with RA. Thanks for joining us again.
2: Thanks, Chuck, for having me.
0: You and your team just completed this amazing review that was released uh, in the journal Frontiers in Nutrition. And you guys just blew me away with this. The actual title of this, and we'll link off to it from pcrm.org, and we'll put this in the show notes for this episode as well. It's Nutritional Interventions in Rheumatoid Arthritis. Here's the key. The Potential Use of Plant-Based Diets, a review. There's a lot to digest here. This is 11 pages worth of information that we have in front of us. We're gonna do our best to put it in some bullet points. Let's start by uh, talking a little bit about what is rheumatoid arthritis? What is RA?
2: Uh, So rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition that affects roughly 1% of the world's population and it affects multiple joints in your body, mainly hands and wrists and knees are affected, uh, but uh, RA can literally uh, affect any joints in in the body and it gradually destroys them. Uh, so, what's characteristic for the for RA is pain, uh, but also swelling, uh, inflammation of the joints, and then gradually uh, these people uh, have their joints disfigured mm. uh, and have some deformations in their hands as well. So, it can be a very um, limiting and even debilitating disease.
0: And and the permanent disability. Uh, aspect of it like it, hmm. when it reaches a point where you hmm. you do have that deformity, is there anything that can be done to reverse it at that point?
2: Uh, It's very encouraging but some of our study participants report that when they joined our study they were not even able to tie their shoelaces and after only a few weeks on a vegan diet they were able to which was like a major breakthrough. Another study participant reported that whenever she picked up her baby crying at night uh, you know there's some initial stiffness uh, in the in the joints of the hands of people with RA. So she just had to muscle through her own pain to pick up her baby and nurse the baby. And after a few weeks on a plant based diet, the pain was just gone. And she reported, you know, this week uh, I had my first night with no pain wow. picking up my baby, you wow. know. So,
0: so you mentioned a young mother just had a baby. Mm-hmm. I- How old is the typical person when they're diagnosed with RA? Uh,
2: It differs. Most people are in their 50s or so. Uh, However, you can also be 30 and be diagnosed with, with RA.
0: Wow, so 30. And and what causes this? What do do we know about what triggers?
2: Uh, So about 50% are due to the genetic factors. Uh, So RA tends to run in families. However, another 50% are due uh, to modifiable factors like the diet and gut microbiome and physical activity and healthy body weight. Uh, And all these factors can be influenced.
0: What about smoking?
2: Uh, exactly. Smoking is another factor that's important and that may play a role in the development of RA.
0: And the gut bacteria thing is particularly fascinating. If you've listened to the exam mm. room for any length of time, you know that that is one of the most popular topics on the show. So it are, basically, is it the bacteria in there? If that gets off kilter, if you get the bad bacteria in there, that then can trigger you know, the onset of RA? Is that basically the deal? Uh,
2: It's one of the contributing factors. Um, Some people with RA, generally speaking, have low counts of anti-inflammatory gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. And the ongoing inflammation in their gut may be also related to the inflammation in their joints. Uh, And it also uh, increases the endotoxin levels and the intestinal. uh, It compromises the intestinal barrier uh, and increases the endotoxin levels in in, in, in their blood, which further uh, encourages and increases inflammation.
0: Uh, so the inflammation, as I understand it, largely comes from eating meat, eating dairy, things of, of that nature. Do we know whether cheese is more inflammatory than a hamburger? Can we dive that deep into things?
2: Uh Yeah, it's saturated fat in general. Ah. Um, uh, It seems that some studies that uh, compared meat intake um, uh, pointed out that high red meat intake doubled uh, the risk of developing rheumatoid arthritis compared to very low or no um, meat intake in large population studies. So the contribution of uh, the dietary protein and animal protein is huge. Um, These studies have not compared meat to cheese. However, uh, the saturated fat that's in meat is also present in cheese. So we can suppose any saturated fat coming from animal products will increase the chances of developing RA. All
0: right, saturated fat. And you said earlier that body weight was likely mm-hmm. one of the contributing factors for RA. And in the review that was published, one of the things that stood out to me was that um, if you are overweight that and, and you do have RA, the fact that you're overweight, the fact that you're obese, that may actually interfere with the medication that you're on for RA cause them to not be as effective. Why is that?
2: Yeah, that's a fascinating uh, question. Uh, research has shown that being overweight increases of your chances of developing RA by 35 to 50 percent. Wow. Uh, and also, uh, if you already have RA, uh, you are uh, less likely to, um, you know, be uh, experience the benefits of the medications by again 35 to 50 percent. Um, now, uh, this is due to two, f- two main factors. Uh, one of them being the um, inflammatory uh, factors being secreted from the adipose tissue. Um, fat is being stored in our adipose tissue. But, you know, it's not only like um, putting oats in your bag and <laughs> these these fat cells are are active they produce uh, some uh, cytokines uh, that have inflammatory um, properties uh, so the more fat you have the more inflammation is going on in your body And uh, so that's one of the factors, the underlying uh, inflammation that's going on in your adipose tissue, and then uh, being released to your blood and uh, being turned into systematic inflammation. Uh, And another factor is uh, mechanic. You know, if you're overweight, this places more demand on your joints. Uh, yeah. imagine the knees, you know, oh. how much weight they, they need to carry. I know. Uh, so <laughs> so that's another factor.
0: Yeah, I, I would yeah, I would imagine like that would be a huge aggravating factor. I mean it, it wasn't easy moving around mm. when I was still four hundred and twenty pounds. It's not easy for anybody to move around when they're overweight, you know, and, and so like you put all of that pressure, like you're saying, on the joints mm. on top of that with RA. I mean you're you're just mm. in a hard way there mm. um so here's here's a question you mentioned that obesity you said it increases the risk by 30 30 to 50 percent somewhere in yeah. that ballpark 35 to
2: 50 yeah. percent what
0: about uh percentages for some of those other modifiable factors you were talking about like uh infectious diseases was labeled as one of those smoking mm-hmm. smoking's another one can you quantify the risk associated with smoking in RA is it ten percent, twenty percent? Do we know?
2: It's one of the major com- contributors as well. Uh, so the contribution would be also around fifty to sixty percent.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. that's a big one. So then, if a person is overweight mm. and they smoke, man, you're talking about yeah, yeah.
2: You can increase uh, your risk of developing RA several times. You mm. know the the percentages don't have to add up to 100 percent. you can even you know go go over that. Sure. you can you can increase your risk of RA four times wow or five times yeah. by adding up all, all those factors.
0: That's pretty significant yeah four to five times. Um, we were talking about being overweight and how that interferes with the medication. Let's talk about the cost of this treatment because hmm. it's not cheap. How much is the average person spending? Do, do you know how much these treatments cost? Uh,
2: so the, um, the cutting-edge medications are biologic treatments uh, for, uh, for RA and other autoimmune diseases. And, for example, Humira, uh, which is an injection that you need to get, um, costs around $20,000 a year. Mm. And, of course, this is in addition to all the other medications that you're getting uh, because usually you start with one medication, then you increase the dose. If it's not helping, you get a combination of medications. And then uh, you also get Humira or another biological treatment for this condition, which is in addition to all the other medications that you're already using.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's just put that bluntly again. That ain't cheap. I mean, so you're talking about $20,000 just for that injection, which, by the way, I, I think that that particular one, you, you said mirror, I believe mm-hmm. that that one's advertised on TV. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so that's, that's why it's advertised, right? Yeah, big business, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, so that That is staggering to me. Um, before we got rolling, I mean, you, you made a good point. Like, so we're, we're talking about reducing the risk of RA. Nobody wants to go through this. It's mm. painful. Mm. You, know, you mm. wind up being deformed, but it's hitting you right in the wallet. And that's something that everybody can identify with. You know, even if you buy organic, I would imagine you right. know you pay that premium for produce. That's still going to be cheaper than paying for those injections every year, right?
2: Absolutely. If we if we if the research has suggested there's some potential for for diet to uh, improve RA and in some cases even completely reverse it. Mm-hmm. Just buy broccoli and cauliflower and, and, and carrots instead of buying Humira. <laughs> <laughs> you will need to eat when you're on Humira anyway. Uh, so this adds up, uh, you know, and your wallet will suffer. So buy broccoli instead.
0: Amen to that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk some about the, the studies that you guys uh, mentioned in this review. There are quite a few, um, and you list a, a number of them right up front. Um how many studies overall did you guys look at was it
2: Uh, a lot like almost 100 studies or so wow Uh, we did not list all of them right we were trying to make a comprehensive review so that uh, that is also reader friendly Uh so that you have a feel of what can be achieved through the diet
0: a hundred That's like a super Mm meta-analysis. I mean, that's a lot of studies. How much time did you guys put into this?
2: Uh, It took us several months to Uh, to put this together.
0: I would imagine. uh, Way more than 40 hours a week, no doubt. This is a lot of data to go over. Uh, What in these studies really stood out to you? What was the overarching theme that, that you and your team found with these?
2: Um, so, for me personally, uh, it's the feel of how much can be achieved through the diet. Uh, some people feel diet is only, you know, able to modify uh, slightly uh, the, the underlying processes when, when you have RA. Uh, but it's not true. Mm. Um, we are conducting a study for people with rheumatoid arthritis right now. Uh, and. Or you know, one participant after another, after only a few weeks on a plant-based diet, they experience such a huge improvement in their symptoms. It's just amazing. And oftentimes they're able to reduce their medications as well. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing how much can be achieved through a diet.
0: Are you comfortable stating that there has not been a single person in this study that you're conducting that has not experienced a benefit?
2: That's true, yes. All uh, all the study participants have experienced benefits of a plant-based diet. Uh, I also need to say uh, that rheumatoid arthritis is a little bit trickier than, you know, switching to a plant-based diet is the first step, mm-hmm. which is the most important one. Right. Uh, but we're also looking at potential triggers, um, even from the plant-based kingdom. Uh, so we put them also... Uh, four weeks into the study, we started an elimination diet where we eliminate also gluten, citrus fruit and other potential allergens and triggers from the diet. And uh, then we reintroduce the foods back to their diet. Uh, and this is very individual. Some right. people may be reacting to gluten. Some people are just fine with gluten. And they react to potatoes, for example.
0: Right. Interesting. Uh,
2: so they're, you know, switching to a completely plant-based diet is the most important step. However, you want to go also deeper. And you want to discover if there are any additional triggers.
0: So gluten I was familiar with as, as far as being... Uh, a factor here mm. a little bit. Citrus that that's kind of new to me. Um, it, that's is that as common as gluten? Uh,
2: I need to say uh, that this is partly because of the uh, disrupted. Uh, intestinal barrier and because of the disproportion of gut microbiome. So once this normalizes, uh, then people may discover they will not be reacting to these foods anymore. Mm. Uh, But at least for some period of time, they might need to eliminate these foods from their diet as well.
0: Interesting. So so initially, when you have taken people off uh, of, say, we'll just stick with citrus here uh you eliminate that from the diet but and that was a trigger for that time but mm-hmm. then you you keep them all for what four weeks eight weeks three five
2: 16 weeks 16 on weeks. a plant-based diet and yep. then
0: you try to reintroduce that right a lot of times then it's it's no longer a trigger, they can handle it fine, right? Um,
2: it, it may happen. It not, may. Not, in, not in all cases, though. Uh, and if you stick to a plant-based diet, which eliminates most of the food triggers, you know, the meat and the dairy and the eggs, um, just by going vegan, just right. by switching to a plant-based diet. Uh, if you reduce the the exposure to the food triggers, you may stop reacting to the minor ones that are not as common.
0: Mm So, uh, w- what are some of those uh, minor ones? I mean, so we've talked gluten, we've talked citrus. What are some other triggers that you guys have found?
2: Even oats. So for for three weeks, we ask our study participants to also exclude oatmeal, which is you know uh, real uh, real pain. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean,
0: for a plant based diet, I mean, the Louise, you're asking people then, to stop breathing. I then mean, that's you have then
2: you have quinoa flakes uh, for breakfast. Okay, okay, well that's not too. All bad. All that stuff, yeah, yeah. Okay. or or you. Can can do cooked millet, um, you know, we we find some substitutes for for them. Uh, However, for three weeks, um, this diet may be pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. So it excludes also oats, it excludes potatoes, it excludes onions, tomatoes, uh, you know, there's a list of foods that need to be uh, eliminated. Also nuts and seeds.
0: So do you give a specific menu to the participants and say, hey, yes. follow this?
2: We we have developed specific recipes for the elimination diet that are elimination diet friendly. Okay. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, I, I want to ask you, one of the other studies that have been referenced in here studied, um, uh, I guess, the, the connection between hypothyroidism um, and people who eat vegan diets compared to omnivorous diets and lacto ovo vegetarian diets i can never talk semi-vegetarian pesco-vegetarian did you guys look at this like say all right well say a person eliminates meat from their diet but they still are eating eggs like are is does the ra risk drop by such and such a percent uh and if they eliminate eggs but they're still eating meat maybe it drops a little bit less than if they had just eliminated meat like how specific did you guys dive into that does that even make sense
2: Uh, It does. Uh, So I need to say, um, if you eat a high fat meal, Mm. doesn't matter if it's meat or if it's eggs, or if it's cheese, then it will um, increase your triglyceride levels after, you know, after the meal which also triggers um, oxidative stress, and it will increase your uric acid. If you have too much of uric acid, uh, you will uh, develop um, gout.
0: Mm, that um, doesn't sound like fun.
2: Exactly. And it's, gout is, um, is a disease of the joints. Right. Right? Right. So uh, there's some connection with uh, you know, eating too much dietary fat, particularly saturated fat, and having inflammation in your in your joints so it's no fun well
0: okay so what what about the fats derived from animal sources versus plant sources say you know um, Mm -hmm. peanut butter and and guacamole plant-based sources like but those do have high levels of fat Mm -hmm. is that still you know put you at risk for ra or are you still better off eating those than you would be say prime rib
2: you are definitely better off eating the plant sources of fat. Uh, For example, one study found that um, switching to a Mediterranean diet, which is high in olive oil, Mm. improves the symptoms of RA. So switching from saturated fat over to uh, olive oil or other plant-based sources of fat definitely helps. Uh, however, um, all the fats are precursors uh, for potentially inflammatory markers. Uh, so if you are able to reduce even the plant-based sources of fat, you are better off.
0: Outstanding. What What are some other keys that we should be talking about here? What else uh, is important for our listeners to know?
2: Um, the the quality another Mm -hmm. factor in your diet is the quality of carbohydrates Ah. so just going vegan uh, is a great start Um, but if you drink sodas and if you eat a lot of donuts and you know then you're not really helping your ra too much because this also potentially feeds the underlying inflammation Uh, So, if you switch over to a whole food plant-based diet that's high in fiber and has a low glycemic index, uh, this may uh, decrease your levels of CRP as a marker of inflammation uh, by 25 to 55 percent.
0: Okay. So, uh, so you said low glycemic index, so Mm -hmm. uh, do blood sugar levels play a role here?
2: Uh, They do also. Okay. Yes.
0: What's what's the connection here? How big of a role? Uh,
2: so the fluctuation in your blood sugar also um, make it necessary uh, to uh, for insulin to be secreted, and the insulin uh, may uh, may act as pro-inflammatory hormone. Mm. Okay. So, so high levels of insulin may drive insulin resistance and inflammation at the same time.
0: So are diabetics more likely to develop Absolutely. RA? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, what else? What else do we have in here?
2: Uh, we touched on the gut microbiome. Yeah. So when switching to a plant-based diet, uh, you know, it's not like people with RA are destined to have this um, gut microbiome imbalance. If you switch over to a plant-based diet, you can increase the uh, diversity of your gut microbiome, which is essential Mm -hmm. for the treatment of RA, and you can also increase the anti-inflammatory bacteria in your gut which will help in reducing the inflammation in our body.
0: Right. Um, so we're talking about RA, but obviously arthritis, uh, inflammation, I mean, no matter what kind you have, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the steps here that you're kind of recommending would also benefit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, anybody with arthritis. Heck, like really any any disease really, but this is this is some yeah. pretty good general advice that, that you're giving out here. Absolutely. Um, okay. I th- I think that, that that about covers it. In your studies, is it possible to completely reverse RA like it is heart disease and diabetes? Is there anybody who can? They come in, they you know they get diagnosed with it, but then they go on that strict whole mm-hmm. food plant based diet. Can they go into their doctor say six months or a year, and the doctor's like, that's not a, that's not even a thing anymore for you.
2: Yes. Uh, There have been a few study participants who have completely reversed uh, RA. Okay. So that's really encouraging for everyone out there with RA, anyone with family members who have RA, to to encourage them to give a plant-based diet a try.
0: And what's the feedback been like since you guys have released this? Have you heard from other doctors and maybe some people who have had RA themselves?
2: Um, We're still in the middle of gathering the data, so we are not really releasing the data. Ah. Uh, However, our study participants are oftentimes so excited. Of course, they share with their rheumatologists, and uh, we've received several very excited phone calls. Very Uh, interesting. uh, Thanking for for the research and that we're doing.
0: It still fascinates me that, you know, doctors, a lot of them, because there is this lack of education when it comes to nutrition that, you know, it's like you you stumble upon this and it's like this whole eureka moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, you know. Uh, That just fascinates me. That's got to be so satisfying, you know, when when you get those phone calls, right?
2: I absolutely love it. I love watching uh, the people who have been suffering so much in their life to be relieved from their suffering. That's very rewarding for me.
0: So where are we, again, in the process of this study? Are you still looking for new participants?
2: Uh, We are finishing another replication of the study and uh, recruiting for another one that will be starting in January.
0: Okay, and uh, what are the qualifications for this study? If somebody's listening, they're like, my goodness gracious, I've had RA. It's just completely taken over my life. I want to do anything I can to get this thing, you know, under control. I'm interested in this study. What, what are the qualifications you're looking for? So
2: uh, people need to be diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis specifically. Uh, for this particular study, we only accept people with rheumatoid arthritis. There are many other kinds of arthritis, but for this one, you need to have rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, And you need to be at at least 18 years old and live in the D.C. area in order to to participate in our classes and come to the assessments. And uh, you need to commit to following um, the instructions uh, and following the diet.
0: And how long will these participants be? Doing the study, is it, it a year long? Is it 16 weeks, like you said? How long is it? It's
2: study? a 36-week study, 36 uh, 16 weeks of which uh, is the dietary uh, intervention.
0: Okay. And then uh, the classes that you're talking about, are those weekly or? They're weekly, okay.
2: yeah, 16-weekly classes. 16-weekly classes. And then it will provide you with important information for the rest of your life.
0: I'll bet. And, and, you know, you're not releasing the data, but I would assume that you're seeing a few patients who have um, lost some weight mm. during this process as yeah, well. Um, absolutely. And, and feeling better about things and a lot of smile on their faces, I would assume, too. Yes, that's um, correct. Cool. <laughs> well, Dr. Hanakaliova, Kaliova, uh, before I go, one last time I'll ask you, is there anything else that you think we should touch on?
2: Uh, I would like to encourage everyone just to give it a try. Uh, you know, even uh, if there's no promise of uh, complete remission of RA for everyone, uh, all of our study participants have experienced significant improvements. So I'd like to encourage everyone with RA to give a plant based diet a try.
0: And that is very promising. Every one of your participants has experienced some benefit. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. A link to Dr. Kaliova's review can be found right now in the episode notes. Science and hope and inspiration. That is a pretty full show. A pretty full show. And I hope that you're feeling as uplifted as I am right now. You know, today's show was about change. Now, the dictionary defines change as a verb, meaning to make the form, nature, content, or future course of something different from what it is or what it would be if left alone. Did you notice something that was missing from that definition? The word impossible. That is because change is not impossible. Oh, no, no, my friend. By its very definition, change is very much possible. And all you need are two things. One, the desire to change. And two, the resolve and willpower to make it happen. Meg Donahue had both even if initially she thought that it was her mother that would be experiencing the change. But in the end, both of them were basking in rejuvenated bodies and once again experiencing all that life has to offer. And if you have tried to change previously, think about this. You can definitely change in the short term and set short-term goals. But more often than not, all that's going to happen is you will arrive right back at your original destination. However, if you make sustainable changes, then the lasting change that you have dreamed of becomes a reality. And impossible changes to I am possible. You have it within yourself to make this happen. You can change. You can live the life that you deserve. Indeed, you can be healthy. Because with change, nothing is impossible. I want to say thank you one more time to Meg Donahue for sharing her powerful story with us today. And to Dr. Hanna Kaliova for bringing science steeped in hope. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.